Have you ever um, been tempted in the heated moment to say what you know you really shouldn't say? <laughs> we all have been. Um, some of you are saying, yeah, it happened to me on the way to church this morning probably. It may have happened in the home or in the car or on your way to get here. Ray, you're back there laughing pretty hard on that one. I think I hit there. All right. All right. Um, here's a story about a guy who found an ingenious way of speaking his mind without really sounding like it. If you ever testify in court, you might wish you could have been as sharp as this policeman. Maybe you've heard this story. He was being cross-examined by a defense attorney during a felony trial. The lawyer was trying to undermine the police officer's credibility. And the lawyer said this, Officer, did you see my client fleeing the scene? The officer said, No, sir, but I subsequently observed a person matching the description of the offender running several blocks away. Lawyer said, Officer, who provided this description? The officer who responded to the scene. The lawyer said, a fellow officer provided the description of this so-called offender. Do you trust your officer? And the policeman said, yes, sir, with my life. The lawyer said, with your life, huh? He said, let me ask you this question then, officer. Do you have a room where you change your clothes in preparation for your daily duties? Yes, sir, we do. And do you have a locker in the room? Yes, sir, I do. And do you have a lock on your locker? Yes, sir. Now, why is it, officer, that if you trust your fellow officers with your life, you find it necessary to lock your locker in a room you share with these same officers? The officer and the policeman responded and said, Well, you see, sir, we share the building with the court complex, and sometimes lawyers have been known to walk through that room. <laughs> Don't you wish you could be as bright as that guy? All right, Ryan, put it up there for me. Although you all won't need, you know what's coming. But, now I don't want to hear any applause. I can't get it to work. Advance it, brother. Ryan, can you advance it? You're trying? Sometimes, there it is. Final message. I never knew when this day was coming, but this week was that day. Ryan, just be on your toes. We may need to go back and forth here. I pray that, folks, see, about 11 weeks now. I've been in and out a couple of times, but I pray that if nothing else, I have heightened your awareness that without the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. After everything that we've talked about since day one, uh, that the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was ushered into His fullness, that He indeed is a real person. We talked about the sanctifying experience that he has in our life. We talked about the holiness of God. We've talked about holiness itself. We've talked about the Holy Spirit giving us power. 
We talked about how he turns our ordinary days into extraordinary days if we will but be in tune with him. And last week we talked about how he is the difference maker in our relationships. He's the difference maker in our relationships with God, uh, the difference maker in our relationship with ourselves, the difference maker in our relationship to the world and with each other. And after all of this that we've been on this journey, I ask you this question. How does one know if they have been filled with the Holy Spirit? Maybe some of you have kind of asked yourself that as we've gone through this series. How do you know that the Holy Spirit is controlling your life? I have to tell you that this question has been debated all through the years in various Christian circles. To answer this question, many people will take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Why don't you go there with me as well? Many will take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Oh, it's going to be a good day. Isn't that pretty cool whenever you want to turn to a, cha- a particular passage and you, you turn a page and you're right there? That just happened to me, so this is going to be a good sermon. All right, this is going to be good. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it will be on the screen. To answer that question, how do you know if you've been filled? How do you know if you have the Holy Spirit? Many will take you to this passage. All right, Ryan, we're back on track. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, we'll start with verse 10. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Then in verse 28. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, and varieties of tongues. Many have said that the evidence of the Holy Spirit in one's life is seen by the gifts that one has in their life. That if you have not yet experienced the gift of wisdom or knowledge, or if you have not experienced the gift of healing or miracles, being able to perform miracles or healings, if you're not yet able to prophesy, if you're not yet able to be the discerner of spirits, or here's the big one, if you not yet have been able to speak in tongues, if you've not displayed all of these gifts, then you have not truly been filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what some will say. Mom and Dad are here with us this morning, and our nephew Matthew from back home. And um, I remember, you all may not remember this, but... Uh, years ago, whenever we were young, um, we, uh, our family went and we sang at a church. And after, after church, um, we had an individual come up, my sister Kim and I. I don't know how old we were. We were probably 10, 11 years old, 12 years old. 
And I had a, we had an individual come up to us, and they asked my sister Kim and I this question. Have you experienced the gift yet? Some of you are smiling already. And we said, well, what do you mean? He said, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? To which Kim and I said, now we were kids, we were going, uh, we think we have the Holy Spirit in us, we believe we do. To which this person said, then you have spoken in tongues, right? And my sister and I said, no. And they said, well, it's real easy. All you have to do is just say hallelujah real fast a lot of times. Or praise the Lord a lot of times real fast and you'll get it. The Holy Spirit will come on you and you will get the gift. It was almost like uh, uh, dealing with a stubborn lawnmower. You just keep pulling that cord. Vroom, vroom. You just keep at it and it will come to you. And they started to uh, implore us to do this gift and to say the words over and over again. And then it, to a 12-year-old and a 13, it freaked us out. And uh, we wanted to get out of that place as fast as we can. And I ask you the question, is that the evidence of the Holy Spirit? In this passage, God indeed is giving out gifts. But his gifts are to be used in the service for the king and the service of the kingdom of God. Amen. To build up and to edify the church. But they are not intended to be evidence of the Holy Spirit's presence in one's life. Let me say that again. Gifts are not intended to be evidence of the Holy Spirit's presence in one's life. What do we turn to? Stay in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at verse 11. Look at verse 11. And then we'll skip to 29 through 31. And it says this, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. I'm looking at Lisa over here and she's saying, Preach it. Brother, preach it. Verse 29, Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts. And I, yet I show you a more excellent way. Some of you may be saying to yourself, well, okay. What is that more excellent way? What's he talking about? We're not going to go into it, but the very next chapter is the love chapter. The more excellent way is love. That's what we should be pursuing. Notice that those verses I just read, they do not state that every spirit-filled believer will receive every gift, but only what God desires us to have. Neither are we to place a greater emphasis on any one gift. If you recall all of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, or if you were to go back and read it, you'll see that every gift God gives is extremely valuable and precious. So gifts are not evidence that one has the Holy Spirit. But listen to this. Gifts are not evidence that one has the Holy Spirit, but instead we should say that the evidence is when the Holy Spirit has us. Do you get that? 
The evidence is when the Holy Spirit has us. You see, everything that we've been talking about all since June are things that the Holy Spirit does in us. There are ways in which He changes us from within. He changes us and causes us to act different, to talk different, to walk different. We don't go the places that we used to go anymore. We don't do the things that we used to do. You see, the early church had many meetings, held many councils in an effort to understand the identity and the nature of the Holy Spirit. But today... Most of the controversies about the Holy Spirit are not about His identity, but are about the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. It seems more people are interested in experiencing the exciting, the thrilling, the visible manifestations of the Holy Spirit more than they are experiencing the Holy Spirit Himself. The Holy Spirit is credited with a bunch of crazy and wild things that He had no business taking part in. So back to the question, how do we answer that? How do we know whether or not we have the Holy Spirit? Let me put it this way. I believe the evidence of the Holy Spirit's control is best seen by our spiritual fruit. By our spiritual fruit. By the kind of spiritual fruit that we produce. Many of you know where I'm going to go to next. The book of Galatians chapter 5. If you want to go there and turn, these will be on the screen, but it's good to have you turn. I don't want you to be lazy. I can help you out, but bring your Bibles. I'm going to come up with some kind of creative way of making sure you bring your Bibles. I don't know what that is yet, but some of you may have an idea. Let me know what it is. The book of Galatians has much to say about the Holy Spirit and His role in our lives. Galatians chapter 5. Chapter 5 talks extensively about the conflict that rages between the flesh and the Spirit. Those of you who have been in the church for a while, you know that. I want us to read Galatians 5, starting with verse 16. 16 through 21 says this, And I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, Idolatry, sorcery, hatred. Isn't that funny that he puts hatred in the middle of all those other things? (laughs) Contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God of God. This is the fruit. This is what happens. This is the fruit of one who does not have the Holy Spirit controlling them. But thank goodness for Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience is another word, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. You see, these are the fruits. These are the evidences. The proof that one has the Holy Spirit living inside of them, controlling them. Amen? This is the proof. This is the evidence. You've heard this before. Some of you have heard this. But see, you can fake the gifts, but you can't fake the fruits. Many a man have been exposed to fake and a fraud on TV or televangelists or whatnot for faking miracles or healing. But you put that same person in a pressure-filled situation, put them in a tense situation, and see what kind of fruit comes out. If carnality is ruling and reigning within, then you'll see fruits of carnality in the flesh. If the Holy Spirit is in control, then you will see that fruit come out as well. You see... Fruit doesn't necessarily always have to be wonderfully ripe and taste wonderful. How many of you know that whenever you uh, throw like um, watermelon into the trash and you leave it there for like a week or two and you pull it out, it kind of stinks, doesn't it? It's kind of stinky. Stinks. See, our fruit can be great or it can stink. And which it is, it depends on whether we have the Holy Spirit controlling us. Now hear me out. We all want to be people who show love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. There isn't one person in here who would say, I don't want that for my life. But let me remind you that these are fruits of you. They're fruits of the Holy Spirit. Not fruits of your good efforts or deeds or intention. This is a work that only the Holy Spirit can bring about in your life. And it's indeed... Praise God. It's indeed a lifelong process. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that the day you accept Jesus Christ, you have not perfected all nine of these things? But it is a process. We are not going to have mastered all of these as soon as we allow Christ to come into our hearts. And as we've said before, the Holy Spirit desires to conform us and transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. But this takes Time, But knowing this, here's the real question that I want to ask you this morning. Are you allowing the Holy Spirit access and freedom in your life to do that? It's not, have you experienced the gift? No, have you allowed the Holy Spirit access to come inside? Now that we know that this fruit is something brought on and brought about by the Holy Spirit, And it's not something that we can produce ourselves. Let me ask you another question. You might not like the answer, but here's the other question. How do you think the Holy Spirit is going to develop these fruits in our lives? How is He going to produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness in our life? As I said, you may not like it, but think about it. In order to develop these fruits, the Holy Spirit will put us in situations, He will put us in life scenarios directly opposite of those fruits. It's tough, isn't it? You realize that? He will put you and I specifically in situations where we will not want to love someone. 
specifically when we will not want to be joyful about something. He will put us in situations where we will not want to be kind or gentle. You ever, you ever prayed for patience? Careful what you pray for. Because God will put you in directly situations, in direct situations opposite of patience. You see, he will put you behind a slow car on the road whenever you're in a hurry, right? And, or like me around here, when you're in a hurry, he'll put you behind a buggy going up a hill that has a lot of turns and twists. I believe, call me crazy, but I, I believe that at times, God specifically allows us to pull away from McDonald's and not have our beloved fries on our bag. I believe that. <laughs> okay, and then as we get out of the car and we're fuming mad, we're going to have our wonderful golden fries and we're marching in there and we're going to tell them in the Holy Spirit. That's how we develop the fruits of the Spirit. You see, He gives us a chance as we're walking through those doors to say, okay, mom and dad, when your teenager acts like you're stupid, <laughs> and when they don't think you know a thing, and sometimes they smart off at you, that's the Holy Spirit giving you an opportunity to show patience. I didn't say don't deal with it. I didn't say, say put up with it, but there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. You see, He will put you in direct opposite scenarios of these fruits to develop the fruit in your life. You know what I'm talking about. You know that during those pressure-filled, those tense situations, you know what you should do. Mm. And then you may ask this question, how do I give in and produce the right kind of response then, Pastor Brock? Well, if you ask it like that, I'd say you're on the right track because what you must do is give in. Give in. You must give in and allow the Holy Spirit to have His way with you. You give up your right to do what you want to do, and which most of the time is not the right thing to do, right? You give up your right to do what you want to do in order to do what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. And it all begins on one of the messages that I preached several weeks ago, maybe a couple of months ago now, is by preparing yourself. How do you prepare yourself? Spend time in His Word. Spend time in prayer. Yielding yourself every day to the Holy Spirit's control. And then when you begin to do this, whenever you begin to live this kind of life of preparation every day, then all of a sudden you will start to realize that when you're facing these tense pressure-filled situations, and you die right then and there, all of a sudden you realize you now just responded in a good fruit of the Spirit. You're starting to have success now. Not you, but the Holy Spirit filling you. When you're in that situation, you've got to die to yourself right then and there. Ask the Holy Spirit for help. Dial 911 for the Holy Spirit. Sometimes if you have to count backwards from 100 moms and dads. 
Ask him to fill you, give you the strength to act and react the way you should. Your desire, this is it, your desire to act the way Jesus acts has got to be greater than the way you want to act. It has to be. It's got to be greater than what you want to do. And as you do, you'll start to notice that you're acting peaceful, you're acting patient, and that you're loving before you didn't. Um, I want to say a brief word. I don't know how brief it will be, but I'm going to try and make it brief. I want to say a brief word about, hang on, personalities. Personalities. Stephanie and I have um, had the privilege of leading a couple of marriage retreats down through the years. And um, we have often used Gary Smalley's material we need to get one of these scheduled, honey, here. So maybe sometime soon we'll, we'll get a marriage retreat scheduled here. Um, but Gary Smalley is, is really good as a seminar speaker. And um, in one of his sessions, he passes out. Some of you have taken this. Some of you kind of know um, what this is about. But he passes out a personality profile. It's a way of getting couples um, to, to identify with themselves, to know about their personalities and get to know about the personalities of their, of their spouse. I'm going to, there's four personalities. I'm going to read them individually. And just as a little fun exercise here, I want you at the end, I'm going to ask for a show of hands, if you think that is your personality, okay? So here's the first one. This person and their personality, they like authority. They take charge. They're determined. They're confident. They're firm, enterprising, competitive, enjoys challenges, problem solver, productive. They're bold, not bald, but bold, purposeful, goal-driven, decision maker, adventurous, strong-willed, independent, self-reliant, controlling, persistent, action-oriented. If that kind of describes you, let me see your hand. That's okay. I mean, it's going to describe a lot of people here. Let me see, let me see your hands. Okay, you can put your hands down. Well, you are what we call lions, you're the lions of society. You're, you're the lions in our, in our culture that, that help. You're the movers and the shakers. Let's go with the next one. And you can have a mix of these things. So if you raise your hands for more than one, that's fine. This next one, you're enthusiastic. You take risks. You're a visionary. You're a motivator. You're energetic. You're very verbal. That means you like to talk a lot. You're pro- Mandy? You're a promoter. Friendly. Mixes easily, enjoys popularity, fun-loving, likes variety, spontaneous, enjoys change, created, creative new ideas, group-oriented, optimistic, initiator, infectious laughter, inspirational. How many of you is that? That describes you. That's okay. Yeah, put your hand up. You are the otters, okay? That's, that's what you're called. You're called the otters in, in our society, okay? We're happy for you, aren't we? Okay, all right. Two more. (laughs) Sensitive feelings. Loyal. Calm. Even keeled. Non-demanding. Avoids confrontations. Enjoys routine. Dislikes change. Warm and relational. Gives in. Indecisive. Dry humor. Adaptable. Sympathetic. Thoughtful. Nurturing. Patient. Tolerant. Good listener, peacemaker. If that's you, let me see your hands this morning. Yeah. Some of you, I could tell you, I could tell you what you are already. Yeah. You are, you are the golden retrievers. 
You're the golden retrievers. One more. This person, and I, I can already think of a couple people with this, which I'm a good part of this next one. Enjoys instructions, accurate, consistent, controlled, reserved, predictable, practical, orderly, factual, conscientious, perfectionist, mm-mm-mm. discerning, detailed, analytical, inquisitive, precise, persistent, scheduled, sensitive. Let me see how many of you out there are that. Really, Jesse, I didn't realize that about you. Okay, all right. You guys are the beavers. You're the beavers, all right? You're the beavers of our society. Now, let me just give you a quick breakdown. Those of you who are lions, this is what Gary Smalley says in his seminar. Lions are leaders. They're usually the bosses at work, or at least they think they are. (laughs) They're decisive. They're bottom-line folks who are observers, not watchers or listeners. They love to solve problems. Unfortunately, if they don't learn how to tone down their aggressiveness, their natural dominating traits can cause problems with others. Sometimes lions have a problem with their temper. Sometimes lions have a problem with anger. Can I hear an amen or an ouch on that one, huh? Ouch. Otters. Otters are excitable and they love to yak, yak, yak. <laughs> I'm just reading what he says here. They're great at motivating others and need to be in an environment where they can talk and have a vote on major decisions. The otter's outgoing nature makes them great networkers. They know people who know people. They can be very loving and encouraging unless under pressure when they tend to use their verbal skills to attack. I heard an amen on that one. However, their strong desire to be liked often overshadows problems in a relationship and results in further problems. Golden retrievers. One word describes you. Loyal. You're loyal. You're so loyal, in fact, that you can absorb the most emotional pain and punishment in a relationship and still stay committed. Great listeners, empathetic and warm encouragers. However, they tend to be such pleasers that they can have great difficulty being assertive in a relationship where it's needed. And many of you golden retrievers are warriors. You have a hard time not worrying. Mom, that's you. Mom can be a professional. She can make a living out of worrying. That's, she could, yeah. And beavers, beavers. Beavers have a strong need to do things right and by the book. In fact, they're the kind of people who actually read the instruction manual. (laughs) They're great at providing quality control in an office and will in any situation that demands accuracy, such as accounting, engineering, etc., Because rules and consistency and high standards are so important to beavers, they're often frustrated with a mate who does not share these same characteristics. Despite deep feelings for those they love, beavers must learn to communicate their softness and warmth in a way that's felt and clearly understood by others. Where am I going with all of this? We can have fun with this, and, and, and it's, it's obvious, church, and i got to get moving here. It's obvious 
that God has indeed made all of us with unique personalities and dispositions. We're a beautiful arrangement. We're, we all have potpourris of these different traits and personalities in our, in our life. But listen to me. But with each personality comes weaknesses as well. And if we're honest with ourselves, these weaknesses are often in opposition to the fruits of the Spirit. Let that sink in for a second. Please just give me a few more minutes this morning. Last message on this topic. Our personalities, we all have weaknesses, and if we're honest, these weaknesses will be in direct opposition to the fruits of the Spirit. How does the Holy Spirit line up with all of this? Listen, while we know God has made all of us special in His sight, we cannot simply blame the negative aspects of who we are on our personality and just walk away. We all have areas of our personalities that are admittedly unchristlike, traits that do not reflect the fruit of the Spirit. And after we've acted or reacted wrong, it's not acceptable for us to simply say, well, that's just who I am. My mom and dad were the same way, so I got it honestly. I can't help it. It's just the way I was born, so I guess you could say it's my nature. And I say, no. No. While God loves you for being you, He does not love the traits in our life that are contrary to His nature. You don't have to turn there, but he, do you know that He wants us to have His divine nature? Get this on. Second Peter 1.4 And because of His glory and excellence, He has given us great and precious promises. And here's a promise. These are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Oh, I could camp out there for a little bit. But he wants you and I to have his divine nature. Listen, it's evident that God has a behavioral code for his people, and that code is holiness. That code is holiness. And when we begin living in the fruit of the Spirit... Even our attitudes and our outlooks, even our personalities will be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Our emotional and mental states begin to reflect the mind of Christ and are seasoned with the fruit of the Spirit. Look, this is one of the reasons why Jesus died on the cross. Yes, He will accept us just the way that we are, praise God, but He loves us too much to leave us that way. <laughs> um, some of you may, may know this guy. How many, how many of you know who that guy is? Bo Pelini. He is the head football coach at Nebraska. Mom and Dad came in this weekend and they told me about this and I could not believe this story. Um, and I, I looked it up and there's, there's truth to this. And uh, so I, I threw this in here. Bo Pliny, uh, head football coach in Nebraska, he has a reputation of being an incredibly intense coach, if you can't tell by those pictures. However, at times, his intensity spills over into fits of rage and anger 
and wrath, and he has gotten himself into trouble many times at the University of Nebraska. And in an effort to change, he has started to carry around, now get this, Christy, here we go, he has started to carry around a cat. (laughs) Seriously, he has started to carry around a cat. He is hoping this soft, furry, cuddly, gentle, warm animal will help change his... Those are real pictures right there. I I didn't crop that in there. He admits that this is more of a joke, but he is also trying to change his image. It's not working, Dad says. But as I said last week, that the Holy Spirit is the difference maker in our relationship with us. You cannot fix you. You cannot fix you. You may be able to self-treat, curb some aspects of who you are. You may try to make some adjustments in the end. But in the end, you'll still be the same person on the inside. Your nature will not have changed. And as we talked about in our sanctification message, only the Holy Spirit can bring about a change in your nature. You do it on your own, and it's just a band-aid that's going to come off. I ask you, what aspects of your personality are not of Christ? Let's face it, is this not where life comes down to? Daily relationships with yourself, daily relationships with other people at work, your family. What things keep popping up, causing you problems, not just in your life, but causing problems in the life of your family, in your life at work? What ugly fruit do you have? Listen, everything that we've talked about since June, everything the Holy Spirit desires to do, He can only do in a heart that is yielded to Him. My question to you this morning, is your heart Like this rock. When the Holy Spirit desires to work with you, and right now I believe the Holy Spirit's talking to somebody about an aspect of who they are. And He's wanting to change you in the image of Jesus Christ. And what heart are you going to present to Him? Are you going to present to Him a heart of a rock? Now you're going to laugh at this, but this is the only thing that I had in my house at the time. I love this. Or are you going to be like this silly putty here? (laughs) Okay? To where slowly over time, the Holy Spirit will work on us. And you see what's happening slowly over time, the silly putty is being molded into my fingers. What kind of heart are you going to have this morning? Psalm tells us that a broken and a contrite spirit is what pleases God. A broken and a contrite spirit is what pleases God. If we do not yield ourselves and humble ourselves, not just at this point, but all throughout our Christian experience, if we do not humble ourselves, you have to humble yourself to accept Christ, right? From the date of your spiritual birth, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, until the time of your death, you must remain like this. Brock. And if we don't, if we don't 
stay soft and pliable and humble, do you realize that you can grieve and you can quench the Holy Spirit? Yes, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. Every time you say no to the Holy Spirit, you are grieving Him and you hinder the work that He wants to do in your life. Ephesians, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another. Be kind to one another. Church of God, be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. When we say no to the Holy Spirit on a regular basis, a number of bad things can happen. And hear me out, I'm getting ready to close up. When we say no on a regular basis, number one, God cannot move in your life the way that He wants to move. The Holy Spirit cannot move. Yes, you all have a Jeremiah 29:11. God has a plan and a purpose for everyone, but this plan, His plan, which stretches out for your entire life, cannot take place if you will not allow the Holy Spirit to mold you. Number two, this disobedience will also affect those around you. Your family will be affected because your spirit is in disobedience to God, and that can affect the overall spirit in your home. Thirdly, this can even affect the church. Now hear me out on this. Your spirit of rebellion and saying no to the Spirit of God can even affect the church. You see, the Holy Spirit wants to do amazing things at the Barsmail Church of God. However, He can only work in this place, not just this room, but in any room of the church. He can only work where there's a spirit of freedom. When the Spirit is moving, there's freedom. But the church will be limited because you're bringing a spirit of rebellion and the Holy Spirit cannot work to His full potential when those spirits are at work. Amen? Read Joshua 7 sometime when uh, Joshua and the Israelites are going against the, 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 the nation of Ai. There's a man, one man, named Achan. And he disobeyed and affected the whole tribe of Israel. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. I've said that many times. He will not push. He will not force his way into our life. If we back off, he will back off. Just realize that the longer you ignore his promptings, the more damage will be done. Listen, I'm done. I'm going to tell one final story and then be done. I am done with this series, but I don't know that the Holy Spirit is done. Dr. Tom Hermes, a wonderful evangelist, preacher, uh, been at Hollow Rock several times. He told this story, and, and I, I think I got it right, but um, he told a story about how this church wanted to update the Parsonage. The Parsonage was right beside the church. The church was made of brick. The Parsonage had uh, it, the siding needed redone. And, and, and in the board meeting, they, they, they discuss what should we use for materials. Should we side it or should we use brick? And uh, a man rose up in the midst of that board meeting and he said, I believe that God does not want us to use brick. That's too expensive and we don't want to waste money on the brick. And he said, I just feel very strongly that God wants us to use the siding. 
Well, the vote went through, and the man was voted down. He was the only vote for siding. See, they had pride, and a good pride. They wanted to represent the community and the church well, and they thought that brick would look really nice. So they decided to go ahead and use brick. And when the results of the meeting were shared in the meeting, this man rose up, and in a fit of rage, he said, I tried to tell you, but you would not listen. And he said, I believe God is going to take his hand off of this church. And you and this church will not survive this. And he resigned his position on the board. And he walked out. The pastor tried to go visit him at his place of work. And he tried to convince him. He tried to talk reason to him. And this man in his fit of personality... And this man, in his stubbornness, he refused to give in. Give in. One would think that he left the church, or he would leave the church, but he didn't. Instead, he stuck around. He wanted to be a first-hand witness of the destruction of God upon this church. Well, amazingly, brick was used in this church, and God blessed this church two or three times over to where they had to go to multiple services. God just did a great work in their church and the Spirit was moving. But listen, every Sunday morning, this man would come into church late. He would go up to the balcony and he would sit in his chair and he would just fold his arms. He'd say, I will not be moved and I'm going to wait for God's judgment. For years, this is what he did. And as soon as the service was over, he would leave quick and wouldn't talk to anyone. Here's the sad part about this story that I'm through. All during this time, whenever this man was acting the way that he did, his kids were young. And they got to see their dad at home act the way that he did. And they got to see their dad act the way that he did at church. And all through their growing up years, they saw this. And when they finally graduated and left, they never darkened the church door again. What are you going to be? You're going to be soft. Allow the Holy Spirit to mold you. And yes, folks, our entire life needs to be, had better have times to where we give in to the Holy Spirit. I'm through. Would you bow your heads, please? Andy, come on up. Singers, you can come on up if you like. I know I've gone over and we've never had a set time, but this was an important message, church, and I believe God wants to do business with someone. I'm not going to drag this out. You know me. I don't do that. And, and I, I really don't think I have to say much of anything at this time of invitation. You know if God is speaking to you. If there's something on your heart. If there's an aspect of who you are that you don't like. It keeps popping up. And it keeps causing problems. Give in to the Holy Spirit today. Allow Him to cleanse that which is within, that is rotting, that is not of Christ. Allow him to deal with you this morning. Father God, we thank you for who you are. 
Holy Spirit, I thank you. Oh, Holy Spirit, I thank you. You are in this place. And you have once again met us with your presence. Now, God, please speak to us right now. Lord, speak to me. It starts with me. Lord, all of us right now, you know, we can say the sentence, it starts with me. Is there anything in my life, is there anything in our life this morning, Father, that is not of you? Holy Spirit, that will allow you to change us. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. Now, Lord, help us to be obedient to you during this time. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen, amen.